This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. Hey, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt, this is Jessica, and we're just looking forward today going with you through the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part. Jessica, what is going on? Well, we're nearing, we are at the end of June. And I can't believe like in just a couple days, it's going to be July. But it's really not hard to imagine that when you step outside your house and you feel like you're stepping into a sauna. (laughs) It is so hot and humid. And we actually went up to see my grandma in Ohio a few weeks back, and it was so nice there, like in the 60s. And the whole time I'm there, I'm enjoying it, but I'm also like, we are going to get pummeled when we get home. It's going to be such a reality check and a shock, and it was. So that's yep. it's fl- fun, 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 it's Florida. Fun. But I do understand more fun than Florida. ever why you would be a snowbird. You know, like our neighbor across the street, he's a snowbird. And I was talking to him the other day and he's like, I'm heading up north in like six days. I'm like, lucky you. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's how you do Florida. You do half or four, a fourth, whatever, up north when it's nice and beautiful and chilly in the evenings. And then you do the rest here where it's nice here too. Yeah. It's wonderful. I will say though, our sunsets have been next level. Oh yeah, they're beautiful. Here in Florida. African dust, I hear <clears throat> Dust plumes hit us <laughs> last week and gave us some of the best uh, sunsets I've seen in a long time. You know what's funny is that apparently has been happening for a long time, maybe ev- forever, like forever, the maybe. Of the yes, and so we have never heard of this before. I, yeah, I have. I have never heard of this before. I just forget about it. And I'm 36 and a half, and I just think it's that shows you like how desperate we are for different news than what we're hearing. It's like African dust flew and it's arrived and everyone's like, oh my gosh, this is so new. And you're like, no, it's been happening forever. Apparently it, it actually helps add minerals to our soil. Oh, really? Yeah, in Florida. Oh, thank like you, We Sahara have zero Desert. minerals in our soil Oh, wow. In Florida. So interesting, isn't it? We have, the, we have just sand, basically. Yeah, that's right. That's really cool. Anyway, enjoy where you live. What do you got going? You got a book recommendation? I have book recommendations by Jessica on Monday morning with Matt and Jessica. And it's Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy Seals Lead and Win by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Or Babin. And basically, this is a book uh, written by two U.S. Navy SEAL officers who led the most highly decorated special ops unit of the Iraq War. Um, And it demonstrates how to apply powerful leadership principles from the battlefield to business and life. So what's cool about this book is it's really good for anyone. It's it's like life lessons, but it's it's also really good for leadership and business, too. And again, it's extreme ownership, just talking about how um, owning your stuff and owning your leadership changes everything for your world and people around you. And it is not a Christian book, in case you were like, because you listen to Morning Breath because it's a Christian Podcast, not a Christian book. Right. There's probably Christians in there too. I don't remember if there are, but um, there I'm might just, be. I'm just saying there probably is. <laughs> I've listened be. to the podcast. He's an incredible writer and leader, but yeah. it, it comes from a secular perspective. But yes. that's okay. Be warned. In fact, some of the things that he, you know, he was a U.S. Navy SEAL, and now he's writing books and helping people. Some of that, those principles are biblical. In nature, just like what we'll read in our chapter today. Yeah. So, and also, let's talk about my shirt for a moment. 
you know, it's um, a few days ago, it was June 25th, which means we're halfway to Christmas. Yeah. So I just wanted to remind everyone. It's also give, my brother's birthday halfway to Christmas. That's right. And give everyone some other news to talk about. Yeah. Like the fact that Christmas will still Dust come. Dust plumes and halfway to Christmas. Like Christmas will still and come. And 4th of July is coming this weekend. Sure. So happy 4th of July. Independence. Yes. So. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And you're going to read. I'll just read it all. Just read 15 it all. verses. Now it is unnecessary for me to write to you about the offering that is to be made for the saints in Jerusalem. For I know your eagerness to promote this cause, and I have proudly boasted to the people of Macedonia about it, telling them that Achaia has been prepared since last year for this contribution, and your enthusiasm has inspired the majority of them to respond. Still, I'm sending the brothers on to you so that our pride in you may not be an empty boast in this case, and so that you may be prepared, just as I told them you would be. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, to say nothing of ourselves, will be humiliated for being so confident. That's why I thought it necessary to urge these brothers to go to you before I come and make arrangements in advance for this generous, previously promised gift of yours so that it would be ready, not as something extorted or wrung out of you, but as a voluntary and generous gift. Now remember this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously, that blessing may come to others, will also reap generously and be blessed. Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose, just as he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and delights in the one whose heart is in his gift. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity." As it is written and forever remains written, he, the benevolent and generous person, scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed for sowing, that is your resources, and increase the harvest of your righteousness, which shows itself in active goodness, kindness, and love. You will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous, and this generosity administered through us is producing thanksgiving to God from those who benefit. For the ministry of this service offering is not only supplying the needs of the saints, God's people, but is also overflowing through many expressions of thanksgiving to God. Because of this act of ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to the gospel of Christ, which you confess, as well as for your generous participation in this gift for them and for all the other believers in need. And they also long for you while they pray on your behalf because of the surpassing measure of God's grace, his undeserved favor, mercy, and blessing, which is revealed in you. Now, thanks be to God for his indescribable indescribable gift, which is precious beyond words. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. One of the best chapters in the Bible, in the New Testament on giving and the heart of giving, the heart of a giver and uh, generosity. As generosity is a huge part of being a believer because Jesus gave his life for us and uh, God gave his one and only son. And then they gave us the Holy Spirit to, to be here present with us. Giving is at the core of Christianity. It's one of the core values. It's one of the core values of our church, giving and generosity. It's one of the core values of my family and my life and your life. I know we've always had dreams of being uh, just extravagantly generous. And that doesn't start like overnight. That starts uh, with a process of starting small and giving small. In fact, giving when you have less can actually be uh, proportionally more difficult um, in terms of just how much money is. Uh, when you tithe um, off of $100, let's say, and you give $10, 
uh, that's that's a big portion of that. But if you were to tithe off of uh, $1 billion, you still got 900 million left. But when you tithe off of 100, you got 90 left. And so really when you have little, um, there might even be some, some greater difficulties in terms of how much money you're actually giving. But uh, when you're when you start little, you can build up as you gain more wealth, as you gain more income. It's hard to start when you have a lot of money. It's actually easier to start when you have very little money. Yeah. Um, and just more thoughts on that. When you only have a hundred bucks, and maybe you, say you make nine dollars an hour, a tithe of ten dollars is one hour's wage. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a lot more money, uh, you know you're not giving one hour's wage. You know you're not. You're not giving one hour of your life away. You're giving less than that. And you've got a whole lot more left over. And so the whole point of this is start little. And it starts with the heart. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter, you know, if you got nothing, if you got a lot, you just, you start giving. And for us, I think we've, we've displayed our generosity when we made very little, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. and even when we were going through financial hardship, we continue to give. Yeah. Um, and I would say we continue to learn how to make money and learn how to be generous and learn how to invest. But we continued to give and didn't let up through a home foreclosure, through a home short sale, uh, through you losing your job uh, when the economy crashed in 2006 and seven. You had a great job. Mm-hmm. You you made 20 to 80 bucks an hour doing medical transcription. It was awesome. It was incredible. <laughs> and most of the time you're making 40 to 60 bucks an hour. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I think I was probably making about 12 bucks an hour uh, working as an associate pastor at the church uh, for the mezzanine, you know, we're talking about like when we're in our 20s and um, you lose your job. And uh, that was a big deal yeah. to us. Yeah, I remember we never even talked about stopping giving though. No. Because it was something we had done, and I think this is part of it, it's it's a muscle that you have to exercise. You have to work it out. You have to consistently do it. You have to do it when you don't feel like it. You have to start somewhere. And so what is that saying? The best day to start is 10 years ago or today, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, so start today. If you've never uh, really taken this principle into your life of being a giver and and following Jesus or God's model of giving Jesus to us, um, sacrificing his son for us, like that is, we can look to him and be like, he gave everything. Yeah. Like we could give 10%. And so a tithe for those who don't know means 10%. And um, I think there's, there is, there is a, when you're not used to it, there's a temptation to be like, why would I give my money away when I need my money? Especially now, like we're, you know, we've been in this pandemic season. Like, why would I give my money away when things are so uncertain? Well, honestly, I'll tell you what, now is the best time to start giving and the worst time to stop giving because it is God who is your provider. And from the beginning of it, I remember back in March when all of this was starting to like we were, you know, on these Zoom calls with other pastors and we're talking about churches and churches are going to have to close. I mean, I remember that day when we realized that churches are going to have to close for an undetermined amount of time. And there was a temptation to be fearful uh, because we work at a church and, you know, that's how we survive. And so, you know, when church is closed, there's probably people who won't give. And all of those thoughts, like they're very normal thoughts, just like when you 
your Wendy's closes or your car dealership that you work at closes. Like it's the same thought. Like we have to survive somehow, yeah, right? Not just us, but like there's uh, about 70 employees. Oh yeah, all of that. Daycare and absolutely. You know, so and we're having 70 families and and on and on, and it goes down the line. And um, then you're thinking about your people at your church and the, the people that you love who you've already heard are losing their jobs or you're already hearing their yeah. businesses are struggling. And so all of those things were temptations to fear. But instantly, I felt the Lord just say. I am your provision. Your paycheck is not your provision. Mm -hmm. The church is not your provision. People are not your provision. I am your provision. Mm -hmm. And I had so much peace from that. And I believe God spoke that to me at the very beginning because I cannot tell you how many times I told people that. Mm -hmm. I talked to people whose um, businesses, they had to lay people off. And I told them, you know, I know this is hard for you. And I know that you feel responsible for your employees, but you are not their provision. God is ultimately their provision. And so you can point them towards the Lord. You can pray for them and you don't have to feel guilty. You do what you need to do. You follow peace and God is going to provide for them. He's going to provide provide for you. And um, so that was that was a huge thing right at the beginning of this. But I, there's always that temptation in these times to not want to give or to hold back or to hoard because of fear. Yeah, I think uh, this, these are times where your faith is truly tested. You know, yeah. we're like, yeah, God is my provider, whoop, whoop, you know, but when you lose your job or the economy is so uncertain or whatever, that's when you're like, oh my gosh, is God actually my provider? Like literally like, or is my job my provider or, or am I the provider? Is my business the provider for somebody else? And I mean, I know someone that uh, like had to lay their employees off and literally the very next week hired them all back and got their business on track and begin to see during the time uh, when the pandemic first hit us is how can I turn um, this opposition into opportunities and continue to do innovative things in, in uh, the area of business. And they actually transformed their business in, during this time in, into a way to become successful. I mean, did you know that, that some of the greatest companies ever are formed in depressions and recessions? Uh, when people think in innovative ways and how to do things, think about um, just like, for instance, Amazon uh, was formed um, in a way to do something super different. In other words, everyone bought books from bookstores. They bought books from big bookstores, little bookstores. But you got mails about a bookstore, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's about a big bookstore that comes in and destroys a small bookstore. The uh, Amazon comes in and says, we're going to mail books to people. You order them on the internet and I'm going to mail used books, books to people. Yeah. And now Amazon is the, I think it might be the biggest company in the world. It's made a, is it Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world? Yeah. Because he came and found a new way to do something and disrupted everything. Oftentimes pressure like this creates, uh, it spurs on innovation. And we can, in this time, we can be innovative. You know, our church has been innovative. We've changed a few things in a, in the, in a good way. Uh, in fact, we said we're going to add value into people's lives. When the world is going backwards, people are scared. We're not going to hoard. We're going to invest. We're going to be generous. Uh, in fact, um, we probably have reached more people. Uh, well, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we've we've reached more people and people we would have never reached uh, pre-pandemic, yep. um, during the pandemic, because we said we're going to be generous. Uh, I believe it's it's Isaac who uh, 
sowed in a time of famine, the Bible says. Go look that up. Uh, I don't have them. I, I can't find it right now. But he sowed in a time of famine and reaped a hundredfold. Now, in the times of famine, you want to hoard everything you have. But the Bible says that he gives bread to us to eat and seed for us to sow. And so what can you give during a time of famine? Your seeds. You can give the seeds. You don't give your bread typically. You don't give what you're going to feed your children for dinner tonight. But you can give from your abundance the seeds. You can plant those seeds in the ground. God gives us seeds to plant. He gives us things to plant. If you have no job, no money, no light, nothing, right? You could give of your time. You could go bless somebody. You could volunteer. You could go bless somebody that's, you could share what you have. You could go bless somebody from what you do have, not not worrying about what you don't have. Then God takes that seed and he says that uh, basically he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. If you sow generously from what you have, you will reap generously. God will multiply those seeds in your life and he will multiply them in the area that you need them. You see, verse eight says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you uh, always having all sufficiency in all things. In other words, God doesn't just want to give you what you give. Like if you give money, he just doesn't want to give you money back. He wants to give you in all ways and everything that you may have an abundance for every good work. In other words, like you might have money, but you might need peace. You give your money. God has wisdom and peace and connections and relationships and and solutions for your business, solutions for your family, ways to pay your debt off, all of those things. He's got exactly what you need. And I think it's really important that we understand that it's God that returns that blessing to us in the form of bread and fruit, not just in the form of seeds. He gives us bread and he gives us fruit back into our life. And it is a process. It definitely is a process. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you have to grow in. It's not something that you you might get instantly, but it's something that you're going to be, need to be stretched in and have faith to do. Yeah, it takes time and it takes the, the practice of giving. Um, and so, you know, the first thing we do when we get paid is we give 10% back to God because it was his to begin with. It's, it's all his. And so that shows him that he has our heart. You know, there's a saying, if you, if God has your wallet, he has your heart. And if you can trust him with your finances, then you can trust him, you know, and, and he will give back to you bountifully, like, like you said, and in verse eight, it actually says in uh, the Amplified translation, so that you may always under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. And this is where your sufficiency is being completely self-sufficient in him. Like in Jesus is everything that we need. All the peace, all the joy, all the love, all the finances, all the resources, all everything, all the answers, all the all the questions that we have, all the answers are found in him and in trusting in him. And verse eight was my soap. And I said uh, to be a conduit. My application is to be a conduit of not only the resources that God pours into our life, but also of the fruits of the spirit. Uh a friend of mine was just saying how she was kind of it was about a week ago. She's just frustrated with where the world is at right now, where um, her job, she's in law enforcement and it's just difficult, uh, the state of the world right now, it just is. 
And she said, I was praying, or I realized that I just needed to pray and ask God, what can I do? She feels very hopeless right now and not sure what to do. And so she said, I finally just prayed and asked God, what can I do? And she said, he instantly said, be a light. And she's like, okay, be a light. What does that mean? And um, she realized that she was being, they have a rule at their office and she's not going into the office right now a lot, but they have a rule that you have to wear a mask in common areas. And she really didn't want to, honestly. And she said that God showed her that her, by her wearing the mask, even though her boss knew she didn't want to, um, would show respect and would show her being a light. Just that simple thing. She's going to wear a mask with a good attitude and tell her boss she's doing it out of respect, even though, you know, he knows she doesn't want to. It was being a light. And so those simple, simple things are ways that we can be a light right now. And then it gave her and empowered her to be able to, that's something she can do. She, she, there's so much she can't do. And there's so much all of us can't do right now, but there are things that we can do. And part of that is being a light, being a conduit um, for these things, giving generously of our time, giving generously of our finances, if we can, giving generously of our grace to people. Like people need grace right now. We all need grace right now because tensions have been a little high for months and that wears on people and that adds up. And it's, it's, uh, it's been tense. <laughs> and so we all need grace to receive, but then we need to be given grace as well. You know, when you talk about law enforcement and some of the tensions that we're seeing and some, you know, just the, the venom that has been played upon law enforcement, uh, I, I know that to some people, to many people in law enforcement, they, they feel like it's unfairly heaped upon them. And, and then you see, you know, the racial, uh, healing that needs to take place in our nation. And it's, you know, racism is definitely unfairly heaped upon, uh, people. Like that's not fair. You know, it's, it's not right. And, and what can we do? Uh, we can show love to people. We can give them extra love. And, in fact, I think, uh, I, I feel like the Lord showed me something, um, and I'm, I'm going to actively try to become a police chaplain. Um, I've already sent in some information because I thought, you know, uh, I had an opportunity to play, pray with the police officer, and they were so grateful and so thankful. And I thought, whoa, like, wait a minute, like, I have something I can give that I can actually help. Like, I can, I can bring my faith and my love to a police department and, um, they will be blessed by that and in process me sowing those type of things into people's lives. The fruit of that will be police officers that will, will be uh, blessed and being at peace. And, you know, police, it's, it's being a police officer is pretty crazy because they're constantly dealing with people at their worst. Mm -hmm. And they're constantly dealing with people when they're lying. I mean, I wasn't speeding. Uh, I don't know what you mean, officer. You know, um, I wasn't going 87. I, I thought I was maybe going 70 or whatever. Like, I, I probably know a lot of people that have lied to a police officer when you're trying to get a ticket. So they're constantly dealing with people that are trying to evade uh, the rule of law. And so they can become hurt and jaded and frustrated. And what if we and, and we're able to bless them in the middle of that? That's what I begin to think. And so what does it take to become a police chaplain? I'm, I'm definitely working on finding out. I've already, like I said, sent in information. Another thing I, I thought of recently is that some friends of mine wrote a song, Chris Johnson and Tim Scott, called God of the Harvest. And it talks about how God is the one who harvests. He goes after people. Even in your own life, he brings you that end result. 
And when I heard that, I actually heard this, this phrase, instead of God of the harvest, God of the process, God of my process, God of your process. Uh, harvesting is a process of planting seeds, waiting, watering, fertilizing. In the waiting, you're literally doing nothing. Plucking weeds. <laughs> um, and you're just like, oh my gosh, you're taking care of it by plucking weeds and protecting the soil and protecting the grounds. And then all this work comes into place when the harvest comes. And I think that uh, it's the harvest is like a process where we in our lives have to be willing to plant the seeds, then wait, trust God, take care of what we have, mm -hmm. pluck the weeds, take the sin out, take the deception out, take the bitterness out of our lives, protect the field, wait. Scare the crows away. <laughs> when Then when it's time for harvest, work, work after it, get after it, go after the contract, get the job done, take care of business, whatever that looks like. And that's the process I believe God has for our lives. Mm -hmm. But that process actually starts when you decide to give. Yeah. When you decide to give generously, the process becomes a more bountiful harvest, a bigger process. When you say, I'm going to give a little bit, guess what? You begin to activate more than what you have before. You grow the process. So I would just encourage you just in this last 30 seconds or so, Become a generous person. Have generosity as a goal in your life. Think, I want to be somebody that blesses others. I want to be a conduit for God bringing things to me, through me to mm -hmm. other people. Don't just live a life where you say, I want enough for me to have what I need and a little extra to be comfortable and maybe a little extra to be wealthy. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Become a conduit for God's generosity the wealth of God is infinite. Yeah. Like his resources are infinite. You want infinite resources flowing through you. In order to do that, you've got to be generous. Yep. You know, thank you so much for listening and watching Morning Breath. We will see you next week and we'll see you tomorrow. God bless you. Bye. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531, Barfield Contracting. Treating you like family. God bless you. Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility, located in the Rockledge Vieira area. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. 
want to be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. The Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. East Coast Christian Center Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road Coco. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.